everybody, and welcome to another episode of Bet the Farm Podcast. As always now, I'm your host, Jared the Farmer Plotnik, as you can see by my shirt for those watching on YouTube. Otherwise, I'm here with the usuals, Brandon the Pig Plotnik, Wes the Burn Dog, and again, for the second episode in a row, Eric the Sheep. How we doing, boys? That's off. You get the sheep you go back. six and one. Your Hurricanes are dancing in the Sweet Sixteen. I deserve to be back here, boys. Yes, you do. It's not. It's not given. It's earned. Yeah. After last week, you deserve to be back. Thank That's you. I think you're talking to your mic backwards, but we'll forgive you, dude. It works on both sides. <laughs> it's a fucking microphone. Really? <laughs> yes. Oh my lord. Sai Cook, I knew that. Let's ride. Back. I mean, look. When you're wearing the Miami attire, you just sometimes look and sound like an idiot. Brandon, how we doing? You know. Honestly, once we get to the recaps, you guys will see why I am not all there right now. But guess what? It's a new week. It's a new me, well, and I'm ready to rumble. You foreshadowed to it. You were last on this How We Doing O-Meters, and you just foreshadowed the recap. Let's hear it. Give well, it to us. Unfortunately, I let everybody down this week, and I started us off with a nice 0-5 week. Attaboy. Thank you. There's a new sheet. There's a new sheet. It's March. This is It's not- madness, man. You know, you they call it in the summertime. They call it March Madness because it gets me so fucking mad, and I am just so bad at this. So, I, just so everybody knows, I did one bracket and I took Iowa to win it all, and they got upset <laughs> in the first round. So that's all you need to know. I went zero and five last week. I'm not even gonna run through my bets. Trust me. Hopefully, you didn't tell any of those, and you just listen to the sheep. But zero and four in college basketball, zero and one in golf. That all-time puts me at 168, 147, and 12. Still a solid 53% clip after an 0-5 week. I can't complain, but guess what? I got a few, a little bit of out-there plays this week that you guys might be surprised by. So that's where I'm at this week. Jared, 6-5. and five. Tell us how you did it. Yeah, I mean, I'm not going to run through all that. Everyone that's a diehard person of the show, we got too much shit to do, too much going on. 6-5. and five. Everyone heard my plays. Look, not good, but we, I guess... We outlasted the juice at least, right? So probably gained a half a unit there on those plays. And look, we're just going to try to be better. I mean, I actually had a solid um, college basketball run, but what let me down was uh, my soccer. I got to be better in soccer. I've been putting in the hours that I should be putting in, and I admit that, and I'll be better. That's why there's not going to be any picks right now, but for the next two weeks during the international break, this guy is going to be running all the numbers. We'll get back um, in two weeks. Once we get back to Europe and start dominating again. So, six and five week. All time. 259, 197, and 14, 57%. Guys, I don't know if you all remember all of our diehards out there. A year ago from now is right when we moved in to our new house, got the new studio. And if you recall, the first like four episodes that we did, I couldn't. I wasn't allowed to speak on the podcast because it's allergy season right now. And as you can hear it in my yeah, voice, you can hear it. I, I literally can't breathe. So I'm going to try to keep it to a bare minimum here, guys. But uh, that's where you're at right now. Just giving fair warning to everybody. Unfortunately, live in South Florida. It's allergy season. So that's where I'm at. Eric, six in one. And what? officially above 500. You promised the fans. I did promise my fans. I'd like to thank my friends, family. People that stuck with me, people that still believed in me. It feels good, man. It feels good. If you've noticed my games lately, on the EPL, I've been on fire. If we can run the numbers, I've been absolutely on fire. Those were two of my wins this week. 
with an easy Spurs and Liverpool wins. And then college basketball, that's my forte. It's my forte. Four-two. Forte. Forte. Some say four-two. Some say forte. Six in one week. Uh, Murray State minus one over the Dons. Easy win. Memphis minus two and a half over Boise. Easy win. Uh, Colgate plus seven and a half. That's why you always get the hook. Lost by seven. That was a win. Illinois minus seven and a half versus Chattanooga was an awful loss. And then our bet the farm pick was the over in Arkansas, Vermont. And that hit very easily. So, man, I sold everybody. We're going to have your back this week. I appreciate that. And we did. So, that's a winner on our bet the farm pick. Hopefully, you guys are tuning into our Instagram podcast. We have some games going on right now. Gave out uh, three plays there. Have one big play for tomorrow. Stay tuned for the show. Burn dog. Three in one week. But what? Let's not let everybody off, you know, the leash saying that you only won three and lost one. Tell us how you got those three wins and how valuable those wins were. And that's why you guys always see me track units on the Barn Burner podcast because the Burn Dog was a six and a half to one underdog on Tom Aspinall. Comes in with the first round sub. It was exactly what we teed up on the... um, uh, as your handicap, so uh, remember when we're talking about units, boys and girls, um, there's more than just a record. Um, and I mean, to your point, like m- more than just three and one, the only loss was a piggy parlay, which two of the other the, the other picks hit. So technically, if you're going by picks, you know, I had a five and one record. So just just to that point, um, but it's always good to hit a bon- burn dog for the uh, for the listeners and. Uh, by your own five record, that's 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 why I don't take first round NCAA bets. Uh, so I got to sit on it for a little while, watch a couple games, and I uh, I have two plays for the listeners today. Yeah, so we're gonna have some UFC plays this week for a fight night, but then everybody don't forget we got UFC two seventy four right around the corner. That is. Next week, we will be doing a MMA barn burner show for UFC 274, the Korean Zombie versus Alex the Great Volkanovsky. So, going to be an interesting one. That card is loaded. I'm really excited. It's in Jacksonville. I'm debating making the trip. I don't know. We'll see. But if, I had, if, I, if I was free on Saturday, I'd be making that trip. Even if you're not, uh, we might have to kick you off the show. Yeah. Well, we'll see. Yeah. So, three in one week for JK, you. That, JK, JK. that puts you at 45 and 29 all time as a bet the farm regular that's a 59 percent winning clip eric i failed to mention 114 wins 113 losses you are above 500 for the first time ever it. on the podcast <laughs> you didn't mention that but i'll take it again maybe brandon is blacking on i remember anything you said already no no no. i'm just saying well deserved it's a well-deserved accomplishment you know i did make a promise to my fans out there and, you know, I worked hard and it went alive. And, you know, it took took going away from the show to really regroup. And, listen, I'm just here to give winners now. That's all I do. All right. Well, without further ado, let's jump right into the episode this week. As usual, a jam-packed episode. We've got March Madness. As you guys already know, if you follow us on our social media channels, Eric the Sheep has already posted a bunch of his plays for tonight's games. We've got a lot more games tomorrow. We've got UFC I'm sure Jared is in the lab trying to figure out his soccer plays. There may or may not be some entertainment plays that I may be talking about later that could be a little bit more out there. But at the end of the day, you know, this is where this is the world we live in before we get into the nitty gritty of NHL playoffs, NBA playoffs, and 
everything that else th that is there to bet on. So before we get into our cash traps for this week, as usual, it's time for our favorite segment of the week, our red card of the week. And I will dish it off to the burn dog. My uh, red card of the week, it goes to the Miami Heat. And I'm, I'm not sure exactly what happened in the scuffle last night between Spo and Jimmy Butler where Udonis Haslam had to step in. But we're in first place, guys. And we're bickering on the sidelines against a Warriors team at home that's sitting all three of their big stars. It, we got to get it together or we're, we're going to – um, we're going to get taken out first round sitting in a one or a two seed. And, and this team has too much talent for that. So um, let's get it together. And that, that's my red card of the week. Yeah, I will say that Eric Spolscher was 30 minutes late to his postgame presser. Ended up showing up. Him and Lowry and P.J. Tucker were the ones that came out and spoke because, you know, some of the leaders on the team. And they all came out and said, Spo specifically was like, look, the, the vibe in the locker room after the game, they were talking about where we're going to dinner tonight. That shit was squashed immediately. It's just one of those situations where tempers flared up because, look, that's two games in a row dating back to the game previously against the Sixers when they benched all their starters and we still lost to all their bench players. And they're just not playing up to par as a number one seed in the East. And they just showed a lot of frustration. Now, how Jimmy goes about it, you know, trying to fight your coach and trying to fight UD, you know, the, the leader of the team. I didn't like all that, but look, sometimes you got to express those frustrations, get them out of the way, and sometimes that actually makes a team a little bit stronger. I was just saying a friend of the show, Drew Parker, my roommate, was uh, talking to me today, sending me all the stuff about what had happened because he didn't see, he didn't know what was going on. And he was, and you know, after we talked about it, he was like, you know, this might be like uh, an emotional, uh, an emotional slingshot. You know what I mean? They had this tough game, this tough loss. They had to talk about, you know, what was going on, their, talk out their frustrations, and hopefully that, that kind of brings this team together and, and helps them play better in the future going into the playoffs. Yeah. I think yeah. Butler, he needs to step up, man. He's been called. He's had some injuries or some BS injuries. He's called, that hasn't played in games where questionable. I think the team's together. I think Butler needs to get on track. I think it's just pretty obvious they're the worst team in South Florida. Can we just call it Spade a Spade? <laughs> I mean – Marlins best rotation oh, in, in and MLB. The best team you have in now the best uh, NFL team in all the land. You have the Panthers best hockey team. The Heat, as the number one seed in the NBA, are the worst team in South Florida. I'm not going to mention the. They're Kings not even there. the best no. basketball team in South Florida. South Florida, hey. University of Miami in the hey. Sweet 16. Facts are facts. When it comes to March Madness, there's always a Florida team making a run. It's been Florida State usually going dancing this year. It's Miami. I I wrong. I mean, right. I, I hate to say it, but, you know, he ain't wrong. So, I'll yeah. give it to him. South Florida, great place to live right now I'll, as a sports fan. I'll always be salty about uh, Florida State's run as the number four team in the nation being cut short due to uh, yeah. uh, In my opinion, COVID. That, that we won that. national championship. I, yeah, yeah, we, we won. Oh, I forgot about that. Terrence Mann, Trent Forrest, we them, nasty. I had them 40 to 1 pre turning I, I mean, preseason, pre before, before yeah. the season had started. I was so upset. That was that was a brutal one. Yeah, well, my right. red card of the week goes to the Green Bay Packers organization, letting oh. Devontae Adams walk away. I wonder where I came. Not only did they let Devontae Adams walk, which is understandable, you know, they didn't I, let him walk. He okay. chose to leave. Devontae Adams chose. Oh, to you leave. only got a first and a second round pick. It's not letting him walk. Well, whatever. He left. So, 
But then you let Marquez Valdez scaling go, and we haven't done anything since. You know, we haven't signed a receiver. There's a lot of receivers out there. Everyone's making all these power moves, and we're just sitting back. Sounds like you, uh, they wanted him to take the Rodgers rate, uh, and uh, he wasn't taking that discount. Would you rather have Devontae leave or Aaron Rodgers have just retarded? <laughs> Retire. All right, you're five minutes in the box. No, I, I know that Rodgers is capable without receivers, oh, so it's no. fine. And you know what? We're going to draft a bunch of receivers. Listen, we all watched that Cardinals game last year when he played with no receivers. It was just methodical. So we're going to get that all year. We're going to go to the playoffs, and we're going to choke. You know who I, we, we didn't get to see much of uh, last year? The Clemson receiver. Mari Rogers, yeah. Mari Rogers. I mean, I'm excited to see him. Listen, he, he's got talent. He, he played on championship teams for Clemson. When you get bounced in the first round of the playoffs every single year, you come up short, and it all falls on Aaron Rodgers. I like what the coaches are doing, right? We got Jerron Reed, defensive tackle. We're going to load up on defense, and we're going to pound the football. Because when it comes to the postseason, those are two things that you can lean on, right? Obviously, the cold weather was a bad game for the Packers. But if you have an amazing defense and a running game, that shit travels everywhere. Well, my red card of the week this week goes to Miami's very own Jorge oh. Masvidal. Oh, it should be Colby Covington, that bitch. All right, well, we'll we, we, will, we will have a discussion here. But my red card goes to Jorge Masvidal. Look, here's the way I look at it. And, and look, I can see both sides, and we're going to talk about this. Me and Wes have talked about this off, off air. But Jorge Masvidal just had an opportunity to fight Colby Covington, this is one of the biggest fights of his life. This was full, like, blood. They hated each other. There was a history between the two. Look, he had five rounds. That's 25 minutes, and it went the distance. He had 25 rounds to go into that octagon and beat the living fuck out of this guy. And guess what? He didn't get it done. So what do you resort to afterwards? Jumping a guy on, on the street when he is completely unarmed and unaware that you're going to be there. He just literally ran up on him. Okay, look, you could say if he just walked up to him, went face-to-face, pushed him, and then they like started squaring up, that's a different animal. He walked up to him. He had a surgical mask on and a hoodie and a, a beanie on, which you wouldn't really know who he was if he didn't hear his voice. And Masvidal has very you know notorious yeah. hair that you can, they could see. And obviously, Colby knows who he is anyways. And he sticks him twice in the face, breaks his tooth, hits him in the eye. I mean, yeah, that's just – that's a cheap shot. It's kind of bullshit to the fact that why are you taking it to the streets when you just had a chance to do it professionally in front of millions of fans? Instead, guess what? You pull a, a punk move, a hood rat move, going into the streets and literally just being a gangster, taking it to, yeah. to, to, to the gangster realms – and, I, I mean, I appreciate it, and I know that there is, and Wes going to talk about, he talked about his kids afterwards, Correct. whatever. Doesn't but either way, reason, there's though. other ways that you could have gone about it, and to do it that way, just, it rubbed me the wrong way. I'm a big Masvidal fan. I don't even really like Colby. I mean, I've met Colby. I think he's a cool guy in general, but really? I don't like him as his persona as a UFC fighter. I think he's got a, he's got a shtick, and I appreciate that. That's what sells fights. But... To do to do it the way he did, and then go get arrested after for it for aggravated assault. I mean, but what I do respect for Masvidal for is he's sticking to his guns. He doesn't give a fuck. He literally is going out. He's post. He's still posting videos on social media. He doesn't care. He's literally sticking to his guns. To the fact that fuck you, Colby. Don't talk about my family. This is what happens when you come into when you call yourself the king of Miami, and I am born and raised in Miami. This is what we do in the streets, boy. But I'll give him that. But to cheap shot, to, from what we know, to go up and cheap shot him the way he did it, that's a red card. Terrible. When you had a chance to do it 
in a fucking octagon with a locked cage. You had a chance to 25 minutes to do it. So that's my red card of the week. Yeah, I've decided that we're going to talk about this on our MMA show next week. I think we'll have much more time, and that platform of listeners will actually care about that argument because I could go on for 10 minutes. Um, But I I do agree with the red card here. Um, I I think that Masvidal... (laughs) Masvidal lived up to his BMF title, you know what I mean, his, that character, but uh, I don't think that was the right time and place to do what he did, um, so instead of arguing it out, we'll, we'll leave that to the MMA a show and I'll agree that, that that's, that's a pretty, pretty good red card situation. But on top of that, I'm also going to give a play on if you guys watch the show, and I know you all do. If you're not going to give someone a red card, you're going to give someone a play on for something that they did Correct something that you are very proud of them for, and guess what? I'm proud of the general manager of the Miami Dolphins, Chris Greer. That's a play on what a fucking off season. I mean, you go out, you get Raheem Moser, you get Chase Edmonds, you get Cedric Wilson, building a solid offensive foundation. Then you go out, you get the number one potential free agent out there in Teron Armstead as your marquee left tackle to build a wall for Tua. And then on top of that, make a blockbuster trade to go get a top five wide receiver in the NFL and Tyreek Hill. I mean, this offense should be dynamic. What Chris Greer has done this offseason, nobody in the world, I mean, you could, everybody out there that is a Tua hater, you can go out and say all you want about, oh, bring in Tyreek and Jalen Waddle, they're so fast, they're fast, but guess what? He can't throw a long ball. Fuck off. First of all, you've never watched football if that's what you truly yeah, fuck believe. Fuck off. That's what you truly believe. You're an idiot. But I think that what Chris Greer has done this offseason has been truly phenomenal, and he deserves to be applauded. We, we were on this show not too long ago when Brian Flores got fired, and we were talking about specifically myself, and even if you follow me on Twitter, you will know I said that we fired the wrong guy. I thought that Flores was the guy and Chris Greer needed to go. Guess what? I am retracting my statement. I think that now, a few months later, What's worthy to note is that maybe we fired the right guy, and Chris Greer was the right guy to keep all along. What an unbelievable offseason. That's a play on Chris Greer. Hell of an offseason. And he did all that and still left us two first-round picks next Absolutely. year. Oh, do or die for that offense corner. Shout out to Brandon by playing both sides over the last year. I'm proud of you, kid. Stu Gotts is strong in you. Hey, I said I retracted. <laughs> well, Chris Greer's got all the way. Oh, you don't change your opinions ever? I mean, not that quickly. Not really, no. Well, this guy's got all the fucking okay. tools now on offense. So there's absolutely no excuses for him not to win ball games down there in Miami. Yeah, I agree. There, now there is zero excuses. You have a top five, top ten defense in the NFL, and yeah, now man, you've one got of one of the most skilled offenses, talent wise, right. with a new coach that's going to establish the run and hopefully bring the best out of everybody. But we don't know yet that yet, so we'll see. And that goes right into my red card of the week. It goes to all those haters out there that. Just for some reason, I've given in the last two years to this notion that uh, Tua Tagovailoa, for some reason, is just a shitty quarterback. Does no one remember when he was supposed to be? He had a whole year of college to play, and he was already penciled in as the number one quarterback. It was a whole tank for Tua thing, and the guy gets hurt, and that he comes in into a shitty situation with a terrible O line. One receiver, shout out Justin Levine, idiots that don't take into account these things called variables that are extremely important when it comes to professional football, and. They just pretend like this guy sucks. He sucks. He sucks. He sucks. He can't throw downfield. He can't do this. He can't do that. Well, guess what? 
Now you're going to see it's going to be put in your face. You're going to realize once he has the group around him, has an O-line, now he has a left tackle and a left guard that are actually, I don't know, NFL level. He has two of the best receivers in the league. He's got a lot of very fast running backs. Red card of the week just goes to all the idiots that just – just listen to what, like, honestly, this is, I've never heard a bigger mafia just go in on a quarterback for no reason. And I'd be saying this even if I wasn't a Dolphin fan. Like, for no reason, just completely saying that Tua sucks. Just completely dismissing him for absolutely no logical reason. Red card of the week goes to you, and I'm going to cut the tape a year from now when this pops up in my memories, and I'm going to say, hey, that guy that just won a Super Bowl MVP, fuck Ooh. you. Double red card of the week. Love it. Love it. Love it. Red cards of the week have been handed out. Those are the bad things. Some good, some bad that we have established. And now it's time to establish some winners that are going to put some money in your pockets. This is where we give you guys our cash crops, our best bets of the week. And guess what? A guy that went 6-1 and one last week, 4-1 and one on the hard court. Let's bring it straight to the man on fire, Eric Pfeffer, the yes. sheep. Kind we call you the sheep because all... You do his tail, people. Guess what? Maybe the roles are reversed. Let's what's hear what you got to say. What's the opposite of a sheep? Just stump the pig. <laughs> a goat. There you go. Marvin on the board. Well, it's sad. You know, I love March Madness. Had a lot of games to dive into last weekend. You know, we're, we're obviously I posted three picks uh, earlier today on the Instagram story. I only got one game tomorrow. You know, tomorrow's a tough matchups, but, you know, I'm really diving in. I know I'm wearing the Hurricanes. I'm like, oh, this is guy is such a homer. But no, man, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a realist, right? <laughs> I'm in Hurricanes. Money oh line. They're God. favored by two points, right? This team in this tournament have, has turned the ball over four total times in two games playing against USC and Auburn, who are bigger, faster, and stronger than us, and we're forced 10-plus turnovers in the last two games. That is the recipe to winning basketball. We are a tough match to defend. Iowa State, very good. Pretty similar. They're not going to score a lot of points. And I think for, for someone to beat Miami right now, the way they're playing team basketball, they're going to have to score points. And I just don't see where Iowa State offense is coming from. You know, they played a poor LSU team in the first round. Wisconsin, who I thought was overrated from the jump. That's why I took Colgate. Did you watch that game? I did not, but it looked so I'm ugly. Saying, I, no, I'm saying Iowa State, Wisconsin I was did not, the I'm, ugliest game ever. So I, I lie bet the under. The, un- the over-under was, like, really low, and I live bet the under at 116. That's extremely low in college basketball. I and I still took it, and it hit by a mile. Yeah. They were so bad. But I mean, both teams were really bad. Just, you have to have – when it gets late, you have to have some type of offense. Miami plays four guards. They're an extremely tough matchup for any team to defend. So when you're playing against Miami, you know, when Miami's playing defense, they're switching. They don't, they don't really have a specific man, so it's easy matchups on defense for them. They're a matchup nightmare. They have Jim Laranega, if we all forget. Took George Mason to the Final Four 25 years ago, but still. I wish I had more picks for you. I posted today. We have Duke coming up tonight. We have Arizona coming up tonight. Those are two absolute logs. We're currently Gonzaga minus 9.5. I don't know what they're doing in the playing games. but It's really all I got. A couple leans. I would lean North Carolina. I think their advantage with their size. They shoot the ball better. The better free throw percentage team. Going back to the numbers. And then there was one more game tomorrow night that I really like. Uh, I think the run's over for St. Peter's. Purdue's laying 12 and a half. Yeah. Um, that's a terrible matchup for them, but I just I don't like them for cash props, but I'm sure you boys will dive into it. But that's all I got. I know yeah. it's a homer pick, but Miami Hurricanes minus uh, money line, really, they're favored by two. So just take the money line. Don't worry about the points, you know. 
the 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 burn dogs going to uh, jump the fence with the sheep and uh, jump in line and take Miami minus two with the hook. Um, I got to watch a little bit of that game. Uh, Miami looks like the better team. I think they played the harder route. I don't think Wisconsin. I think Wisconsin was ranked too high, um, and I, I just. I think Miami's got the momentum as well. So um, taking Miami minus two, following the sheep. I'm glad I don't have to do the cap because yours was better. <laughs> there you go. It's time to give it to the farmer. Let's hear what the farmer has for his cash crops. As it's said on his shirt, he is the farmer to save time. Let's just please take me to the grapefruit. Assume I'll suck you off. that he's never wrong. Oh, no. We're saying college basketball. Oh. Let me just make this known. I – Proud of myself in Vegas. We went to Vegas last weekend, and I bet every single game on Saturday and Sunday. And only missed one game on Friday. I missed the whole night slate on Thursday because I got beyond hammered. That's for another story for another day. Point is, I learned a lot about these basketball teams, and I ended my Vegas trip on a huge heater on Sunday night. I think I won seven of my last eight games. So you know what? I feel like I know what I'm talking about now. Oh, baby. And I I don't do this often. Everyone that's a fan of this podcast knows I'm always a sucker for the points. But we're going with Purdue minus 12.5 against St. Vincent St. Peter's. They are going to smoke them up, down, all around. This is an old-fashioned LRC bet. I'm taking them every which way. They are going to demolish them. I love this Purdue team. Ivy and the 7'7", Yao Ming Jr., they are so Freaking good. They're going to demolish them. All right, first and foremost. You have something to say? Well, I have a bet on this game as well. But let me ask you before I, I talk about this, any thoughts on how they're going to win the game? Yeah, uh, well, I'll tell you a thought of how they're not going to win the game, and it's Curtis Painter. Guy's been the coach forever, brings in talent after talent after talent. Never gets the job done, but he's still there with a the slick back hair, looking just like me with my slick back hair. He's due. He's due just like Last year, what's his name? Drew, Drew Scott yeah. for Baylor. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He was due. Everyone ripped him. He always fails. He always fails. I agree. Curtis, 2.0. This is back-to-back years. Same shit's going to happen. I think Purdue's going to win it all. And that was my way of completely sidestepping your question and not answering it, but telling you it doesn't matter because they're going to win it all. Okay. Well, before before you jump in there, the burn dog <laughs> with his live dog of Purdue getting an easy route to uh, didn't know who to they were playing. Eight. Kind of foreshadowing. Like, I don't playing. know who's in their bracket. Yeah. Now they're playing St. Peter's. But, but I did know that they got the seven-foot fucking monster in the center. Uh, Yao Ming Jr. Yao Ming Jr., baby. Their, odd, their odds going into this weekend are now at plus 900. So Value. Value. It's not Carvel, so, but it's 80. My lone college basketball bet this weekend <sighs> for the Sweet 16 is going to be in the same game, the St. Vincent, St. Peter's. <laughs> I love that you said that. Versus Purdue. Look, I, I gave some serious handicaps last week. I thought they, I thought I loved them all. But I don't need to give a handicap this, this, this week because it didn't do me any justice. But we're going to touch the over-under here. The over-under is 133.5. Guys, what are we taking? Da-da-da! Yeah, because St. Vincent Peters is going to score 40 points. It's a fucking sharp handicap. It's going to be 80 to 40. That's exactly what Wes said to me earlier when we were talking about the game when we were handicapping. And he's like, he's like, he literally said, it's like St. Peters may score 40 points. So guess what? I'm taking the under of 133 and a half. 
I think that even if Purdue scores at will, if they get with the amount of points that they're laying, if they could just go out there and absolutely dominate, you got a big man down low. Apparently, that should really yeah, get them at, junior, get, yes. get them out of the paint. That should really help them, and then that'll allow them to get to the perimeter as well. So under 133 and a half, not handicapping it because, look, I did a bad job doing that last week. Under 133 and a half. I love, love it. it. All right, I got two left, so I'm going to fire away. And look, everyone knows I already gave you guys a favorite. I'm not going to do it again. You know me. I'm a sucker for an underdog. So we have UNC, UCLA, and UCLA is laying two. And I'm blanking again, baby. Johnny Juzang. UCLA's been here. They've done that. UNC has not. If you see Roy Williams on the side of the telecast, it makes me want to puke. He has triple chin looking like a fucking chicken over there. A little <laughs> rooster. Like, ah, 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 ah. Fuck off, Roy Williams, number one. Number two, he's still coaching the team on the sidelines. He it is. makes me sick. I, it's my opinion. That's unconfirmed. I, I, but I did see him out there. He yeah, looked like yeah. he was sideline yeah. coaching. <laughs> Fuck you, Roy Williams, and you're going to get your ass kicked by UCLA. And guess what? The best coach in college basketball, Mick Cronin. Yes, very He's good. taking you to the woodshed. Johnny Juzang and co. have been here. They've done that. They whoop your ass this week. Minus two is – I'm not even going to be like Eric. Be like, you know, I just take the money line for safety. No. Take the alternate lines. Lay minus seven and a half. Lay minus ten and a half. Do whatever you can and win juiced bets because they're going to demolish UNC this week. You got something against people with double chins, eh? I, I was talking about triple and quadruple, buddy. I'm not even talking about doubles. I got a double myself. But we're talking about those rooster kind of shit. All the way down. I got a big, fat, juicy double chin for you here. <laughs> Same game. I'm going with the uh, oh, under. Oh, Wait. Oh, did no. you just say over and point under? Yeah, he did. Yes, he did. Yes, he did. Yes, he did. Uh, Cut the tape on that I one. I feel like fucking Dino here. Goddamn. Uh, anyway, th- this is a real sim- simple handicap here. Uh, when you take both of the team's average points per game, you add them together, you get 151. The over is 141.5 here. I bought the hook to 141 simply because both teams bring the heat on offense. I think it's going to be a super competitive game. We might even get overtime, uh, not if uh, the Farmers handicap goes, but you never know. This is It's a very close game. Uh, what would you say the line was, too? Yeah, but there could be a yeah. lot of fouls at the yeah. end. Gets easily over. Exactly. So I, I, I agree with that. So. <laughs> UNC, good free throw shooting team. UCLA, yeah. not. Uh, he made that up. We're going to no, take the simple true, handicap yeah. here uh, and take the over. God, that's so sad. I'm All right, I got one more. Games. And I, I told you guys, you know, I'm a sucker for the dog. Like I told you the first two times. But oh, I wanted the favor. Guess what? We're going Providence, Kansas. Let's go. And we're going Providence plus seven and a half. Give me the dog. Not the dryers, but the. Friars. Fry him up, baby. Kansas, so overrated. Everyone talking him up. Who's a bigger choker than Roy Williams? Who's a bigger choker? Bill Self is the biggest choker. Guy's done nothing since Mauro Chalmers bailed him out years and years ago. Give me the Friars plus seven and a half. And guess what, boys? A little sprinkle on the money line. I think the Friars win this one straight up. I love that. He knows what he's talking about. This man brought up Mario Chalmers. Yeah, he's absolutely right, though. He's done nothing. He probably would not be coaching Kansas if he doesn't hit that shot. 100%. He'd be done. In Kansas, the guy who doesn't make it to the Final Four ever. I actually Mario Chalmers would have you know never what? had a fucking. Put me down for a catch. Let's go. Providence <laughs> Friars. <laughs> Give me Friars Booth. Shout out Pittsburgh Steelers. Yeah, we forgot. We forgot that 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 brings me to in-game uh, 
or in pod handicaps. We forgot our girl Meatball Molly. Oh my god! Last week was one of the most vicious knockouts ever. As soon as I saw she was on the card as we were going through, I was like, "Okay, we got we got to take the meatball here." You saw my reaction last week. If you obviously watch the show, she delivered priceless things you ever seen. Should have pounded the meatball. That that actually puts the burn dog at four and one last week because I didn't add that into my into my recap. Let's go, boys. By the way, double shout out to her because it wasn't just for her winning in her UFC career. I saw Barstool signed her to a contract today. Six figs. She just just got a lot of money from that win. Her and Patty, they should be. Patty was already under under contract with Barstool. They're literally best friends. They're best friends. She jumped. She jumped in the ring when 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 they're the Scousers. They don't get. Out. Do you really think Patty has what it takes to like be like the next McGregor as far as like no. marketing and stuff? No, no. If they, no. If they play his, I don't know. He's like talking this no, big game. Like listen, if they Sean O'Malley him and, and, and feed him fucking, you know, the, the Sean O'Malley's not there the fucking yet. Division. He already came out and said. They said, will you take a top 10 fight? He said, absolutely not. I'll wait until my next contract. He's taking a, a, a straight book out of Sean O'Malley or taking whatever yeah. you say out of Sean O'Malley's book. Yeah. And Sean O'Malley has already page. said, he's like, I'm not going to fight a top 10 yeah. until you guys reconstruct my contract. Oh, that's, where, a, that's what it is? Yeah, yeah. yeah. So he's, they're not going to take fights where they have an opportunity to yeah. ruin their career but and their he, record. He, but if he wins that fight, he obviously probably gets the contract. Yeah, no, they're going to no. give, give me the no. contract, then I'll take the fight, yeah. and then I'll prove it. Patty the Batty, yeah. he, it was $12,000 to show, $12,000 to win. That's a twenty-four thousand dollar contract at that. max. Luckily for him, he had an unsa- an insane finish. And Dana, what a dog he was! Yeah, play on, forgot and, to add that one in there. Yeah, Dana. Every, every single finish on the card, nine fighters a fifty thousand dollar win. Oh, gave I him all fifty. Say he gave him a two and a twister. Ooh, that's almost <laughs> yeah. as good. No, gave, that was Molly. Meatball. In regards, <laughs> in regards to Sean O'Malley, like people forget that. It had Sean O'Malley beat Cheat Marlon Chito Vera, he he beats a top ten fighter and continues on that hype train that he was, but he also had a very severe ankle injury. Yeah, uh, that fight, between, so. he still considered himself undefeated yeah. Because, yeah, because that was bullshit. Yeah, exactly. Like a, a freak accident, you know what I mean? And he almost so kind of, he almost got away with finishing the yeah. fight so somehow, how far are we away just laying from, on his back. How far are we away from a Mallory top 10 fight? We got to be close. His next fight should be top 10. His next fight should, but he needs a new contract, and he's still saying that he so won't do it. he has no it. contract, or he has the old one still. No, he, every fighter, when they sign a contract, there's a certain amount of fights Correct. on their contract. So he still so has more. He still has more fights on his contract. Until he finishes out that contract, he's going to fight a bunch of no-names and keep getting easy wins, and, and then... After that, finally, once his contract's over, then the UFC, knowing how big of a name he is, just like Patty the Batty, who is building a brand, then they sign him to a more lucrative deal. Then you put him into the top 10 fights. And guess what? You give him a five-fight contract. It doesn't matter even if he loses one or, or two of those fights. He still has opportunities to fight big names because he's a big name. Yeah. And that's how... They make it more lucrative for the, for themselves. So that's, I well mean, done, unfortunately, well done for the audience at home, you know, I was trying to figure that out too. I was wondering why these guys are like, yeah, because no. I see he's calling out these guys though. Well, you'll see like, on he calls so- out like the top guys after he wins. Yeah, I mean, you'll see Jake Paul is like apparently the new spokesperson for the fighters, which. Get the fuck out of here at the end of the day. I do respect what he's doing, but it's also selfish as fuck what he's trying to do. But he's trying to negotiate for fighters to get more pay and to get more you know, resources. All, all, and, all he's doing is building clout for himself using exactly. the name of UFC fighters 
um, to try and do so as a banner of righteousness. It's fucking bullshit. Yeah. We don't talk about Jake Paul around here unless he's got a fight. Yeah. I like that. So Good rule. The point being, these guys that sign these entry level, this is literally, that's what this is. It's like the same as getting an entry level job as a guy like you or I in, in a single marketing job, you know? It's an entry level job. You're expected to make a certain amount of money and you could get bonuses, but there's nothing further than that. You sign the next contract, then it really starts to heat up. So that's how the UFC kind of works. And that's why Jake Paul has been talking about how they need to reconstruct, especially when earnings came out for UFC recently and they're up 17,000 times what they were 10 years ago or five years ago, whatever it was. And fighter pay is only up 600%. Dana White biggest dog. Yeah, only. Yeah, bought exactly. UFC, bought UFC like super early and just blew it up. Well, there's that a was lot. The Fertitta brothers. Yeah, that, there was a lot that went into that. It's a story that. for another day. Well, Dana was Dana was always there. He just wanted to have presidency on the company, so he decided to stay, even though it got bought out. But he doesn't yeah. really have long, to. Long long story short, the UFC was dying. They brought in Dana White uh, to be the the head promoter. Uh, Dana White was really good friends with the Fertitta brothers, billionaire Brazilians. They bought the UFC under the banner of Zufa. They built it up for ten for almost almost ten years, like six seven years. Yeah, about six or seven years. Uh, and then when ESPN came in to um, buy out the company, that bought out the Fertitta brothers, who were basically hemorrhaging cash. Like, they were losing millions of dollars every year just to keep the UFC going because they loved it. Like, they truly loved the sport. Crazy. And then Dana White was so good uh, at promoting that he built it up and, and, and took over the presidency through ESPN. So I don't necessarily see what, what Dana's doing wrong from his perspective. No, he's doing his job. Yeah, you can't also you can't pay everybody. It's, no, he's a businessman. That's all he is. But course. look, at the end of the day, this is something we'll talk about on the MMA Barn Burner show. So tune in next week. Let's move on to some further bets down the board. And guess what? While we're already talking about the UFC, I'm sitting next to the UFC Sharp, who already talked about Meatball Molly and Patty the Batty. Why don't you dive deep a little bit further into not only what you have this week, but Harp a little bit on how easy it is to not. I know that they were cash crops, and you talked about units, but to get value on a UFC fight. Yeah, so it, this is something that we, you know, hemorrhage on on the barn burner, um, and it's about looking at a fight and seeing your own value, right, and then comparing that to what the odds are uh, on your book. So, um, you know, let, let's say. We, we, we saw value in uh, Patty the Batty, right? And he, we think he should be a minus 1,000 favorite, but he was a minus 500 favorite. So um, we still bet Patty the Batty because we're getting value on that specific play. Now, uh, this tends to factor in more when you see uh, closer fights, uh, when you see somebody that's like, you know, minus 120 pick him and you're like, I think he should be a 2-1 to one minus 200 favorite. So I'm betting that line because I see 80 cents in value on, on the dollar uh, for that specific fighter. So learning about what value means, assigning your own value to UFC plays is really the way to attack these cards and to actually make money on your fights. So um, just to... Just to go into it, I'll start off with my first UFC play. Uh, we have Matt Brown versus Brian Barberena. So when I looked at this fight, I saw a minus 105, close to a pick'em fight for Matt Brown. 
when in, in my eyes, I think Matt Brown should be a minus 150 or higher favorite, maybe even closer to minus 170. And I think he's only close to pick him uh, because he's been knocked out before. He's known to have uh, a weaker chin than most fighters. So um, I understand why they have the bet at it, where it is. But my specific value on that play uh, is, I think, I think Matt Brown is, is a, a higher favorite. So I'm going to go ahead and attack this weak line. And when we say weak line, it's, again, because we think the value, uh, we think we're getting value on that line, and that should be a bigger favorite or a bigger underdog. Uh, So uh, Matt Brown has fought the who's who uh, in the UFC. He's been around for almost 10 years, um, and he's just a violent striker. Like, he either gets knocked out or or knocks somebody out. And most of the time, he's knocking somebody out. Uh, He's fighting Brian Barberena, who uh, basically is only still in the UFC because he had that war with Vincente Luque um, a couple years ago. And, you know, he he had an iron chin. He couldn't get knocked out and almost knocked out Vincente Luque. So I I think that this is a fighter riding past fights, not the fighter that he is. Um, So I'm going to take the more dynamic striker in in a pick-em. Um, just simply because he's faced better competition. Uh, he's a more violent offensive striker, uh, and I think that Brian Barberena over his last two fights looked pretty washed, even though he was, he's one and one. Uh, Matt Brown is one and two in his last two fights, but he's looked excellent. He lost a bad decision to Carlos Condit. I thought he's supposed to, I thought he should have won that fight. Um, so don't always look at the record. Look at how they looked in those fights. You got it. You got it. I actually know UFC Matt Brown. I've actually heard of him because you guys. I guess I'm paying a lot of attention the last couple of years listening to the Barn Burner Pod, where you just get all this information. I actually know who he is. Thank you. Well, that moves on to my first UFC play for this week. It's UFC Fight Night. What's up? What do we got in the main event? We have Curtis Blades versus Kyle Dawkins. I know most of you don't know who Kyle Dawkins is. He came up through the Contender Series. Um, he's a good fighter, but he's never fought the caliber of competition that Curtis Blades has. Curtis Blades is a legit title contender every time he steps in the ring. Uh, Dawkins is attempting to get there. So that's why you see such a heavy favorite for Curtis Blades, um, even though I think it should be a little closer. Well, I'm not going to take a bet in that fight, but I just wanted to make sure everybody knew exactly which card we were talking about. That is the main event. But my first bet on this UFC card is going to be Alexi Olenek over Iller Latifi, and I'm going to take Alexi Olenek as a plus 170 dog. This guy is a veteran. I mean, he may or may not be 50 years old at this point. He is an absolute veteran, but I'll tell you what. His nickname is the Boa Constrictor. What? The Boa Constrictor, Alexi Olenek. The guy is notorious for taking guys to the ground and having some of the most absurd submissions of all time. Latifi is 16 and 8 in his pro career, which is that uh, ooh. That's all I'll say. Ooh, as a professional fighter, 16 and 8, not very good. He really has no impressive wins in his career. His last two wins date back to 2018, where he beat. Oh my God! Listen to me, beat Wes. Ovin Saint Pierre. And Tanner Boser, two of the biggest scrubs and bums in the division. Alexi is old as fuck, but he can use his wrestling to his advantage in a third in a three round fight and take him down and win on points. 
he could also easily submit him at any any point in his career. So I, I I mean I know he's coming off of a three fight losing streak. I don't care. I still think that he's got an opportunity to get him on the ground. I just this is more of a fade on Latifi than it is about betting on Olenek. So I think he's old as fuck, but he could use that wrestling, potentially submit him, sit on top of him, and Latifi as the Swedish guy with. <laughs> some Albanian yeah. experience or some Albanian heritage. He he's known more. He likes to stand a little bit more. He has some wrestling experience, but I don't think he's got the the BJJ and the uh, ability to get off his back if he is put there. And I don't think that if Olenek gets him on his back, he's going to be able to get out of it. He is called the boa constrictor for a reason. He is going to sit on top of you, squeeze you until you tap. So I think that. I think that this has a really good chance for Olenek to sit on top of him for a few rounds and go to a decision for a win. I also think he's got an opportunity for the submission. I think the one opportunity for him to lose is Latifi maybe, you know, gets him on a good, you know, punch and could potentially get on top of him and ground a pound. He is an older guy, but at plus 170, I think he's a live dog. Give me Alexia Olenek at plus 170 over Alir Latifi. Yeah, uh, fun fact, he, he's the only UFC fighter to uh, have two Ezekiel chokes from the front, one of which was standing. So an Ezekiel choke, um, actually two, one was off his back and one was standing. So um, an Ezekiel choke is when you, you're in mount position, uh, you put both hands in front and you grab onto your arms and you kind of ax forward like a guillotine. Uh, not like the guillotine submission, like a guillotine coming down on the head. Uh, and he's the only person to do it standing and the only person to do it twice um, from a non-offensive position, uh, which is pretty crazy. He's actually, I actually learned how to do the, the front Ezekiel because I saw him do it. In, Would you like to demonstrate us? I'll show demonstration. He doesn't like when I do it. I, I, I almost put him out every time. What, to demonstrate? Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah, me yeah, the kid weighs you know? fucking yeah. 150 pounds more than me. <laughs> I mean, so, not, um, not, not that much. <laughs> that's a great dog. I considered it. Um, I mean, it's a heavyweight fight, and they're both kind of lackluster, so why not take the dog? Olenek also fought yeah. better competition, certainly, yeah. For, than Lasivia has. Certainly, certainly. So um, that'll, that'll bring me to my next cap, everybody's favorite, the burn dog of the week. Uh, we're coming off a plus 650 uh, win with Aspinwall by, by sub. We're going to go with the underdog, Kyle Dawkins, to win by KOTKO because you know what they say about heavyweight fights, boys. It can end at any second. So if, you're, if you don't know who to bet on, take, take the big underdog because it's a heavyweight fight, and either fighter can win it literally any with one punch. At any time. So, uh, do I think Curtis Blaze is going to come out and destroy Kyle Dawkins? Absolutely. Uh, do I think that betting Kyle Dawkins four and a half to one to land one of those big shots is a good bet? Bet you bet your ass I do. So, uh, plus 450, burn dog of the week. And let's see if we can keep this streak going. I'm pretty sure I'm on a three burn dog uh, heater going here. Gotta love a good old burn dog. Well, I'll jump into my last UFC play so that we can get into some other plays out there with you guys that aren't all that into the fighting but lastly i'm gonna go with my guy neil magny over max griffin 
Neil Magny is a huge favorite, looking at about almost th minus 300. The over-under is 2.5. It's a three-round fight. The over is juiced at about minus 230. Look, Neil Magny is easily the better fighter here. He has some marquee wins as of late, beating guys like Jeff Neal, Robbie Lawler, Anthony Martin, Lee Jiang Liang, Ponzinibbio, Carlos Condit. I mean, that's just in the last few years. His one loss in that whole span was in a main event where he fought Michael Chiesa. And Michael Chiesa, what does he do? He wrestles. And all he did with Magny, because he's a lot bigger than Magny is, is he wrestled him, sat on top of him, and Magny could never get up. And honestly, great job by him in a main event, in a five-round fight, to know to wrestle him the whole time and sit on top of him. And it was really well done. But I still think that this isn't the same type of matchup. Max Griffin is not that type of guy. Yeah, you're right. He's going to want to stand. So... Like I always say, if you listen to the Barn Burner Show, don't overthink it. Magny is the better fighter. He's a much better fighter. And stylistically, this has all the makings of an over. I don't think there's going to be much wrestling. It's going to be standing, ex exchanging blows, being very tactical. So to me, I love taking Magny parlayed with the over of two and a half. And you can get that at plus 102 in a parlay. So... I think the over of two and a half with Magny is a great bet this week. Absolutely. I mean, I have, I have you're parlaying it, correct? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So I have the same. I have two piggy parlays this week. I have the same bet. Just a, a few, a few quick cap hits for me. Um, I think that this is a bad matchup for Griffin because Magdi basically cornerstone the style that Griffin uses. Um, you know, a long outboxer that fights for points, uh, uses a little bit of offensive wrestling to stay up against the cage and kind of keep his opponents in the cage. And I just think Magdi is better than Griffin at doing this. So if they're both trying to do the same thing, that's usually going to end up in an over. Uh, I think the only method of victory really for Griffin is a KO, and he doesn't, he's never really showed KO power. Uh, so I'm going to go with the outboxing point-scoring king, Neil Magdi, to win. Uh, wow. I, I think it's going to be by decision, wow. but uh, uh, we wanted to talk about value earlier. If you, take, if you took Magdi if you took Magdi by decision, you, you would be betting minus 125. We're parlaying him with the over of two and a half. Ooh. So we're giving ourselves a half round of value. Uh, kid is a true student of the pod. Where, where Magdi the could, why he's got the seat. could win by KO submission in the final half of the third round. And we're getting 22 cents or 27 cents of value on the play. So We talk about this all the time on the Barn Burner Show. Listen, I want you guys to listen to this. Ready? You could take a guy to win by decision, right? I could take Neil Magny just to win by decision. What decision would mean that that has to go all the way throughout the entire three rounds of the fight. Of Whereas you could take Neil Magny to win money line, parlay that with the over of two and a half. Now, if I'm taking the over of two and a half, it's going to decision. Mean? I get two minutes and thirty seconds of value, and on top of that, we're getting about twenty cents of value on the bet versus taking the decision bet and that's how you beat the bookies also let's also talk about value um cole anthony's father remember this is like a very to me this is very very similar this is all very similar brandon cole anthony's father got gets kicked off of um tnt's nba countdown or whatever the fuck you want to call it and guess who replaced them shaquille o'neal why it's not because like cole anthony's father wasn't amazing there was nothing great about him but it was just that Shaquille O'Neal was elite with stats, reasoning, expertise, 
That's like Wes filling in for Miles. It's my point. Miles is Cole Anthony's father. Wes comes in as Shaq, and he is the guy that comes here with the reasoning, the understanding, the facts. This is what happens. This is what we do at the Farm. We're trying to be better. That's all I have to I'm say. I'm like Dwayne Wade. You know, only show up, you know, in the big time, <laughs> at the big events, you know, playoff games. Show up. That's funny because it's true. He Damn does <laughs> All right, well, we got one more bet in UFC, and then we can kind of pass it off for some other bets to take the jet elsewhere. <laughs> yeah, uh, I'm, I'm following the same exact, uh, same exact method to victory here. Uh, I see a fighter that's going to win easily uh, by decision, uh, and that's going to be Askarov uh, versus Kaikara France. Uh, he is currently like a minus 300 favorite that line's going to continue to climb uh even though kai car france just came off the big knockout win versus uh cody, cody garbrandt, cody garbrandt uh it, it's surprising to see how big of a favorite it is and you know why because he's fighting a dagestani oh he's from dagestan send location just khabib meme send location put your bet in and Parlay him with the over because you're always gonna because they're always gonna be big favorites. So we're trying to find a way to bet the Dagestani to win by decision um, and, and and get some value there. So instead of minus three hundred, we're taking Askarov and the over with a half round of value for minus one twenty. Just to explain for everybody out there that doesn't know what a Dagestani is, Dagestan <laughs> is a part of Russia where these Dagestanis all. This is a pro-Ukrainian podcast. Whatever. So Dagestan was taken over by Russia, bro. <laughs> uh, it's a part of Russia where in Dagestan where where Khabib is from, where they all train together and they have the same stylistic matchups of they're going to come at you, pick you up, toss you, and stay on top of you the whole way. Oh, that is what like a Dagestani like does. <laughs> that is their blood to win. So uh, their true blood to win. So just wanted to give everybody out there, and if not, listen to the MMA Bar Burner Show. We won't dive much deeper into it. So that'll wrap up our UFC cards for this weekend's UFC Fight Night for Dowskis versus Blades. So that being said, let's pass it over to the farmer for where we will take the jet next. And where are we going, Jared? There's nowhere to go, Brandon. We have international break. I've already talked about this earlier on the show. If you were listening, there's no soccer going on. You're not going to take to the Grapefruit League? Eric, I can't because we talked about spring training is all about seeing lineups. Lineups don't come out until at earliest four or five hours before the game. So I can't do that right now. I'm not going to force picks. I gave my college ba- or, yeah, my college basketball picks. I'm not the NBA guy. The NBA got fired. I think we're just off for NBA for the rest of the season so we can find a new person. And with that being said, that I being just... Said, we're taking resumes. Please put your resume... Yeah. DM us at betthefarmpodcast.com. No, betthefarmpodcast at gmail.com. What, am I going to be the one that's going to take your makeover Panama? No, I'm not. I'm not going to force plays that I don't feel confident in. I got my three cash crops this week. They're tomorrow on college basketball. And other than that, Brandon, GLTA. Looks GLTU. Like, looks like I've got the last bet of the night for the cash crops. And guess where we're going? The Oscars. Let's go. Yeah, guess what? This is the week of the Oscars. And if you didn't think you could bet on the Oscars, you are mistaken. Guess what? You can bet on all of it. I did my uh, I did my research, and guess what? There's, there's a lot of bets. You know, you can bet on the, the best actor, the leading role. You can bet on, you know, the best film. But guess where I'm going? We're going to go with the best film editing for the Oscars this week. 
And the leading favorite right now is the movie Dune, and it's minus 110. This is a sci-fi adventure movie. Look, those always do well in editing <laughs> categories. This, this is a film that uh, typically, if you're going to win this category for oh. editing, more often than not, they always fare well best in editing category. Um, so, they, sorry, let me take that back again. When you're doing well in the editing category, if you're also going to be doing well in the best sound category. So sometimes the best sound and the best editing, they go together uh, well. Yeah. Guess who is the leading favorite for best sound this Brandon year? Brandon Plodnick! It is Dune at minus 1,000. But wow. guess what? I'm going to get Dune at minus 110 for best film editing. Hey, look, if you don't know anything about the film, like I told you, it's sci-fi. The second best odds are going to be King Richard, a nice HBO film. This is a very standard <laughs> very standard biopic oh. film. Will Smith, lead actor, playing oh. uh, hey, playing Serena Venus's Williams' father. Wow. Great, great movie, but honestly, nothing spectacular from the cinematography or <laughs> editing side. I think that this has all the makings of Dune Wiping slates this weekend. Tell everybody where Dude. you went, tell everybody where you went to school. Who? You. Where'd you go to college? What'd you study? Oh, that's right. I, I went to Florida State. I was a major in writing, editing, and media. Thank so, you. guess what? I told you this is best film editing. So I know my thing or two about editing. Take Dune minus one ten to be the best film editing. I'm telling you right now, Dune, Dune, Dune. Or yeah. you're, or you are doomed, doomed, doomed. <laughs> yeah, his uh, the communications department was right next to uh, the cinematography uh, building, so he yeah. learned a lot from those kids. I'm telling you, giving them hand jobs in the park late at night. <laughs> nice. They've ever been lubed up. Who's up there for best actor of the year? It is actually your uh, leading favorite is Will Smith. <laughs> makes me sick. I haven't yeah. seen one movie of him this year. Oh, it's the same movie I just talked yeah, it about. Makes me sick. Who's With that? King Richard. Who? No, Will who, Smith. Who else is up there? Like, what uh, so the, uh, the the guy that's technically like in second that people are talking about is Denzel Washington. Oh, yeah. he, he played that in Macbeth. Pound the him. problem was he played it in Macbeth. <laughs> Macbeth. Macbeth, was white. Macbeth was in all black and white, a lot of subtitles. You know, Apparently did a phenomenal job. I never watched the movie, but all I do is I can see with my eyes and I can see with my heart and I can do the analytics and I'll tell you that where you, you got to correlate things properly. And like I told you guys, things that correlate properly, if you're going to go for editing, is to go with sound. And sound is going to be properly correlated with Dune. So take Dune minus 110, sci-fi movie, always some of the best editing and cinematography that you're going to find at the Oscars. And I think Dune is going to almost clean the slates, in, uh, not tonight, but this Grand weekend. Slam for Dune this week? Dune. Dune Grand Slam. <laughs> tell you what, for, for best movie, is there any movies in the category about like a gay kid's struggle to, to as he was coming up in the world or something about trans people? Because that's always going to win first. So the the number two one out there, I can't remember the name off the top of my head, but it's Benedict Cumberbatch, and he's basically in a Western film. And I actually turned it on uh, the other dog, day. Or, I, I uh, turned it some, on the other day. Something with dog in it. What? Yeah, I know what you're talking yeah, about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know what you're talking yeah, about. Yeah, it's like a. F- yeah, I, I know the movie you're talking about. I don't remember the name. The the something. Yeah, the the wild dog or something like that. But he Benedict Cumberbatch is like looking as like your potential number two or three option there. And at the end of the day, I watched yeah. the movie. It's extremely slow. Not going to get much on the editing side of things. I mean, it's literally 
yeah. shot in a desert. There's really not much you can do, but this is a sci-fi film. A lot of editing, cinematography needed. Take the editing, minus 110, Dune, and then come back to me later and say, thank you, Brandon, I appreciate that. That was uh, The Power of the Dog. And f- fun fact, uh, again, my, my roommate Drew was talking to me about this. Apparently, you guys know who Sam Elliott is, the dude in 1883 in every Western movie ever fucking made with the big white mustache? Yes. Sam Elliott, yeah. Uh, so he was bashing on this movie super hard because they shot it as a Western film in Montana and it's shot in New Zealand. There you go. They're not going to win editing, tell you that much. Guess who is? Dune, or you are doomed. Yeah, Dune, Dune was, is supposed to be like the new Star Wars. Like, that's, that's how they were trying to make it. Hmm. Interesting. Hmm. Where can we make those bets? Hmm. Wherever you find your, money, your local light bookies. Light it on fire and throw it in the trash can. <laughs> <laughs> Wherever you find your local bookies, okay? Well, anyone, anyone else anything to say? Oh, actually, no. We didn't do a bet the farm. Well, guess what? No stump the sheep this week. We've got a lot of action to watch tonight between ourselves. We've got a lot of handicapping to do so that we can get you guys the best bets for the Elite Eight. So we will end our cash crops there, and we will end the show there and move straight into our bet the farm pick of the week. I'm not betting on UM, so sorry, guys. It's not happening. Providence plus seven and a half. I'm going to say UNC. Or Purdue minus 12 and a half. Over 141. That's my vote. Jared? Um, the Canes are a lock. It's, I mean, I'm Shut 100% up. not taking that because that's the biggest homer pick I've ever heard. Let's go Providence. Or Honestly, deep down, I, yeah, I'd say the Friar Moose. But Purdue I like a lot. But that's a lot of points. I don't know if anyone here wants to lay that juice. I, I, I could get behind it considering yeah, I have I'll them the points. I think oh. Purdue's going to just romp. Yeah, just I love Purdue. The defense is so good. Yeah. And I'm with West. I took the under based on the handicap. I'm, I'm that completely on the handicap. Out. I wish I told you. I think Purdue's going to win it all, honestly. They're my pick right now. I want to take them outright right now to win it all. So before we take them outright to win it all, this is the time where we grab our hands, we stare straight in the mirror, and we say Purdue minus 12 and a half over St. Vincent St. Peter's is what we like to call a bet, bet the, the farm. farm. Outro music. <laughs>